and welcome, lovely listeners, to the Happily Ever Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Dodaro, and I'm thrilled to have you with me today. Whether you're a first-time investor, a seasoned pro, or somewhere in between, you're in the right place. So buckle up and let's dive into this fascinating world of real estate investing. Welcome once more, everyone, to our very first podcast episode. We're absolutely thrilled to kick off this journey. Get ready for a blend of education and fun. I literally eat, sleep, and breathe real estate. It's my passion. Throughout my career, I've explored every nook and cranny of this industry. So get ready for a deep dive into the world of real estate investing. Let me share a little bit about myself. I'm a seasoned realtor based in Toronto with over 20 years experience in the real estate market. Not only am I deeply passionate about helping others buy and sell properties, but I'm also an avid investor. I've curated a diverse portfolio over the years, investing in everything from flips, commercial real estate investments, residential properties, wholesaling assignments, condos, and even pre-construction condos. You name it, I ventured into it. So let's bring you up to speed on the current real estate landscape. We're in the fall of 2023 and interest rates are hovering in the mid sixes. Now, most of my investor clients are a bit of a holding pattern. They're playing a little bit of a waiting game, keen to see what unfolds in a real estate world. It's interesting. Many economists are pointing towards Q2 to Q3 of 2024 for potential interest rate cuts. Yet there are those confident social media realtor experts who predicted that rates would drop by now. And well, we're still waiting with with bated breath. It's a dynamic time, that's for sure. You know, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, he was once quoted in saying, people can smell bullshit a mile away. And you know what? Absolutely right. He went on to say, people might not like what you have to say, but if you lie to them, you'll be canceled in two seconds. I absolutely love this quote. I mean, I hate being pitched to as a consumer. And I totally get the uneasy feelings clients have when they're not getting the straight goods. So, Just a word of of advice to my fellow realtors. Do your thing, but if you're trying to build credibility, honesty and transparency is the only way. It's not just about making a sale. It's about building trust one genuine conversation at a time. So switching gears now, let's talk about interest rates for a moment. Here in Canada, the Bank of Canada has decided to maintain their key interest rate at 5%, which is certainly a favorable move. Now, if we glance over to a place like Turkey, it's a completely different story. Their interest rates just skyrocketed to 35%. Quite the contrast, right? The situation really highlights the importance of perspective. Despite the occasional complaints about the high cost of living, we hear it all the time, criticisms aimed at Canada, the reality is we're in a relatively good position globally. Remember those days when people were just spending money, you know, it was easy peasy to borrow, people swiping their credit cards. Well, that was also a vibe globally, not just in our neighborhoods. Okay, this is this is everywhere. But now we're all kind of buckling down. Money isn't cheap, right? And the investors are hunting for sweet, sweet deals. And they're, you know, if they do secure one, they're kind of hoping and praying that, you know, returns 
are are favorable to them, and hopefully that interest rates kind of meet the balance of where the price uh, ultimately falls. So they're they're, they're really uh, uh, looking for a good uh, investment, good deal out in the marketplace, and they're there. There are great deals out there. I've 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 been involved in uh, several in the last uh, two three months. And I think we're probably going to see some really good deals as we get closer and closer to the slow period, which is around the holiday season, the new year. And I think that next year, late next year, things are going to turn around for the real estate market. Uh, So I think it's just now we're just got to get through this, get, get, get over the hump and get through this period, right? But again, this is not a local affair. It's a worldwide phenomenon from Toronto to Tokyo, every major cities in the same boat. They all have elevated home prices, scarce supply, and high interest rates, relatively. So it's basic economics at play here. If you choose to live and invest in a densely populated city, chances are others have the same idea. So when demand surpasses supply in these bustling urban hubs, it creates a housing crisis. It's as straightforward as that. High demand, in overpopulated areas naturally leads to a scarcity of homes driving the prices through the roof. And when this happens, it can be very challenging for the buyer. The poor buyer's got to buy a house in this environment. They're competing with, you know, investors, speculators, uh, developers. But that's why I say to them that right now, the conditions actually may be more favorable for the buyers that they don't have to compete for real estate. Anyway, if you need a home, it's a good time to buy because there's really no competition out there. And I know when it flips, and the real estate market always does, it flips on a dime and it accelerates very, very quickly. And things get out of hand very, very quickly. I've seen this now to almost 21 years, and I've seen this happen three or four times in the real estate uh, cycles over the last 21 years. And when it flips, it flips hard and it flips fast. And you, you have buyers waiting on the sidelines, finally jumping in and then getting outbid by as many as 10 offers, especially in the first time buyer space. That is a tough space to secure a home. The first time buyers always end up getting screwed or outbid and then they end up paying more and then they get into this, you know, and the cycle just continues on, right? So enough about that. So let's shift gears a little bit again. And let's dive into what we fondly call the frequently asked questions segment, or as I affectionately refer to it as the fact part of the show. Use whichever term you prefer. This is where we tackle burning questions that you may have. You could write into the show or you could uh, send it through my DMs on my Instagram, Facebook, etc. But here we go with the first question. So first question is, and I get asked this all the time. There's three, these three questions are like number one, two, and three that I always get asked. So number one is, what is your favorite property type to invest in? So it's a great question and it's an easy answer for me. Street front retail properties in prime locations, like the ones you see on King, Avenue Road, College, um, Bloor, the store and apartments, with your favorite neighborhood pub or your local Starbucks, those are the crown jewels of real estate. They're highly coveted, especially by the major condo developers. What makes these properties even more valuable are the ones that are situated on the corner of the block. They are the cornerstone of any significant development. Without them, the development conversation is dead. 
I've had guys uh, who own properties in the middle of the block. They're, they're called mid-block properties. And they talk to me like, oh, I talked to this developer. He's interested in this property. And I say, bullshit. If you don't have the corner, you have nothing. Unless you have like a row of like six or seven houses in the middle. But again, even without the corner, you know, you're, you're, you're really out of luck. Like there's, there's no amount of, uh, there's no windfall coming to you without the corner. Unless you partner up with the corner, who, the, with the person who does own the corner. Breaking into this market as a loan investor is indeed challenging. You need deep pockets and you need to be a bit of a savvy investor. You know what, what to do with the property. The initial costs are very substantial, involving a hefty 35% down payment. And you'll be paying commercial interest rates, often higher than residential. That's where partnering up with a strategic partner becomes a game changer. Personally, I found immense success in this approach. It's not only allowed me to enter this exclusive market, but also enabled me to expand my portfolio at a pace that would have been impossible to do alone. Collaboration is truly the key to growing your portfolio and your footprint. Okay, it brings us to our second question of the day. What was your first property investment? What was your first investment property? Let's take a trip down memory lane, shall we? My first investment was a pre-construction condo at 778 Shepherd Avenue West, nestled between Bathurst and Allen Road. So if you know the area, you know that right now there's 778 Shepherd is, is, a, is a pink, I think it's a five or six uh, story condominium, again, with the corner on the corner. I forgot what it corners on, but it is on Bathurst. On a, it is on a corner of a picture this. I was a 23-year-old, total newbie in the real estate world. One day, by chance, I drove by the sales center on Shepherd Avenue. They had this one unit priced at $109,900. It was like the lost leader as they advertised it. See, back in 2002, they did not have elaborate launches like we do today. Just a sandwich board in front of the site saying, come on in, we're open for business. This unit was far from glamorous. It was the smallest unit in the building located on the main floor with a view of the rear parking lot. No outdoor space, no balcony, and no bedroom. My interest rate was 4.85%. I only mention this for a reference point to where we are today. Fast forward through the construction phase to closing date, I listed the place for a bit more than what I had paid. Market wasn't as robust as it is uh, or was a couple of years ago. So Listed a little bit higher than what I paid, but despite many showings, it didn't sell until... I think it was like 60 days later, a client called me, came to see the place, and he ended up buying it from me. I managed to close the deal. The final purchase price was $123,650. I double-ended it, so I brought my own buyer, and I sold it myself, so no commissions were paid. That was the only way I was able to completely break even after all my expenses, my maintenance fees, I carried it for a few months, my lawyer fees, my development costs, my interest, uh, breaking my mortgage, all those fees put together. I was able to break completely even because I had to pay no commissions on the transaction. But here's the thing. The real value was in the lessons I learned at 22 years old, 22 or 23, I can't remember. I navigated this entire process on my own from finding a lawyer, negotiating with buyers. Looking back, I considered it my most significant success in real estate. Breaking even financially was one thing, but the education that I gained was priceless. It was my crash course in real estate, preparing me for a lifetime of real estate investing. Sometimes the best investments aren't just about the money, but the knowledge they bring. 
I often wonder, what are most 22-year-olds up to these days? Certainly not getting that kind of education. It brings us to our third question. Where should I buy my first investment property? And it's not a one-size-fits-all. Buying your first investment property isn't a decision to be taken lightly, okay? There are myriad of factors at play here. First things first, what's your end game? Are you after steady cash flow or are you banking on property appreciation over time? Your choice often comes down to your financial goals and your risk tolerance. Here's the thing. Location is always paramount. If you're eyeing properties outside major cities, say an hour away from a hustle and bustle, you find higher cash flow opportunities typically. These areas usually offer more affordable properties and potentially a stable rental market. But on the flip side, if you're looking at the heart of the city, your property's long-term appreciation potential is often higher. The demand in densely populated areas tends to drive property values up steadily. Now, as for me, I've always been drawn to the pulse of the city and its most coveted spots. But here's a nugget of wisdom I've learned over the years. Always think exit strategy first. When will I sell? To who? For how much? It's not just about the purchase. It's about how you'll sell down the road. Let's say you invest in a rural town If you need to sell, your exit strategy might take longer to materialize compared to a densely populated area like Toronto, where demand is high. If you're out in the boonies and you have a place for sale and it's been listed for a month or two and you have like five showings, out of those five, I mean, your numbers are not high. So the chance of you selling it to one of those five uh, potential buyers is very low. Whereas if you have a property listed in the city of Toronto, first of all, it won't even get to two months, but let's say it gets to two weeks. In those two weeks, most likely, if it's a great property, you'll have 30, 40 showings. So in a nutshell, it boils down to location, 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 understanding your goals, weighing your cash flow against potential appreciation, and keeping that exit strategy in mind. Those are the building blocks of a smart property investment. Well, there you have it, folks. The inaugural episode of Happily Ever Investor Podcast is officially in the books. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found value in what we discussed and want to dive deeper into the world of real estate investing, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, take care, keep those investment dreams alive, and let's catch up again soon. Happy investing.